Hello and welcome to Theater 42, a virtual art house cinema. The only place to watch films in theaters at home in comfort. So join our Kickstarter campaign and enter for your chance to win the golden ticket with unlimited access to live shows, events, and films. To learn more, visit our website at theater42.org. That's theater42.org. And soon you'll be well on your way to a lifetime of cinema. So you're looking for a podcast to help you grow your business, stay in the motivational millionaire mindset to get things done, and listen to some great million dollar interviews with real successful business owners that can teach you how they actually did it. Well, guess what? I got the podcast for you. Come on over and come with me, Janice Morton, host of Your Small Business Podcast. You know, it's like a one-stop shop for happy hour with a girlfriend mixed in with some business talk. Come on over to Your Small Business Podcast and let's make this money. I'm Andrew Harp. I'm Austin Lugo. I'm Shannon Mitchell. This is With Nothing to Say. Let's talk about Pink Floyd, The Wall. You're seeing the magic happen in person, Shannon. This is crazy. Who would have thought it happened like this? Before we get started today, next week we are going to be watching Shall We Dance, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, 1937. It's my week to pick. I'm very excited about it. But this week we are talking about a movie that Shannon Mitchell, the one and only, our longtime editor and first time guest picked. Shannon, why did you pick this movie? Yeah, I'm curious. So growing up, my dad and I listened to a lot of Pink Floyd. So my dad's of like the generation that like grew up with in the 70s and 80s and, you know, grew up with all that sort of London underground and, you know, things like that. I I listened to Pink Floyd's The Wall a lot. Um, And then when I was kind of young, probably too young, to be honest, to watch this film, my dad um, and I watched this film together. Um, and it sort of just has a has a place in my heart as a film that like is sur- like the entire quintessential action is just based off of the album. So I picked it. I just love it so much. When you how how many times do you think you've watched in your life? Um, I don't know. I've I haven't watched it like nearly as many times as like I would say I've watched like my favorite film, but I've definitely watched it like seven to ten times, I think. When you watch it with your dad, like, did you watch it on, like, VHS? Like, what did you watch it on? The oldest I would have been when I watched this was, like, 11 years old. So, like, I don't remember. Honestly, I, wait. Wait, no, I think I definitely remember the VHS, like, slide cover that looked exactly like the album. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it was. Now my dad just has it on DVD because, you know, he's moving with the times, but. Yeah. <laughs> This is one of those movies where it's like you like try to like find a way to watch it and there's like no way to watch it. Uh, like you can't you can't rent it on Amazon. Like you can't spend a couple dollars to rent it on Amazon. Uh, there's no I think if you want to buy a used DVD copy, it's like $20. I found like one Blu-ray on Amazon and it looked like an import from like Germany or something. So it's kind of unfortunate. It's just like kind of one of those movies where it's just not in wide distribution for some reason even though like it's a the fucking pink floyd movie like i don't know it's weird it's one of those movies where it's like 
it's not you can't watch it and widely distribute it so it you can just find you can easily find a copy that was uploaded online it's the only way to watch it Although speaking about a, a German distribution, the Germans love Pink Floyd's The Wall. That makes sense. When I was editing your guys's episode about um, Stop Making Sense, I kept thinking about this recorded, uh, I don't remember, I think it was 1989, so the year that The Wall fell in Berlin. Pink Floyd literally did a massive performance of Pink Floyd's The Wall. It was amazing. On the wall. It was crazy. It was great. The Germans love it. Also, they love David Hasselhoff, too. So I like Pink Floyd. The only two Pink Floyd albums that I'm familiar with is Wish You Were Here and Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, especially Wish You Were Here. I like that album a lot. So I'd actually never listened to The Wall until like a couple days ago in preparation. Yeah, I liked it a lot. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think I always avoided it because I thought like the rock opera thing would be a little too much for me. But it's actually like a very personal album. Yeah, a very an extremely personable album. Um, so it's like very sad. Um, but of course, like Waters like incorporates a, like a lot of different, you know, like political and societal elements into it. And of course, war is a very in the movie and in the album, it's discussed a lot. World War II, his dad died during World War II. So uh, yeah, but I did. I listened to the album for the first time, and like, yeah, that shit rocked. Like, I, I was, I was very. It was really good. I've only listened to The Wall before. So my parents listened to Pink Floyd growing up, and Emily's parents, her mom, like, loves Pink Floyd. So I kind of heard bits and pieces, but the only album I'd ever heard all the way through was The Wall. I haven't heard any of their stuff all the way through before. So I was familiar with the music, but. I was completely unfamiliar with uh, the film itself. So I kind of came into this pretty blindsided, I would say. Yeah. The movie rocks directed by Alan Parker, 1982 uh, animations by Gerald Scarf. God, the animations. Very eighties, very early animation, seventies, eighties. So I started like record collecting when I, when I was in high school and I bought like a record table and started be getting really interested in, in vinyls and things like that and Pink Floyd's The Wall was the first album that I bought on vinyl and in the album art um like when you open up the like the gatefold <clears throat> that art style is all over the album art so that like art style of animation is like goes hand in hand with Pink Floyd's The Wall. I think even before the film was created, I, I find like the movie and the album and the music and the uh, animation is very British. <laughs> I don't I don't know why even the animation for some reason feels very British. I don't know what it is. I, it kind of makes me think of like the Monty Python animations, like kind of. So, do either of you know the timeline between? when the album came out and when the film came out like how close was that the album came out in 79 and the movie came out in 82 okay definitely not a big gap apparently like they i guess i had read on wikipedia it's wikipedia but i guess like they had a movie in mind to make so like i think when they made the album they i think they were planning on making a movie early on so to kind of get into the movie the movie is basically like a 90 minute music video <laughs> yeah it is I'm cool, which is not a criticism. I really like that. I like a good like kind of because and I think it is like the best possible visuals that you could probably kind of like put together with the album, I think. 
I think it all goes together very well in terms of supporting the music. Yeah, I think because it is basically just like a 90 minute long music video, it's a little hard to follow at times because it kind of jumps all over the place, which I mean, I think makes it seem even more sort of personal, like you said, Andrew, where it seems more like somebody's recollection more so than than like a chronological story because it, it jumps all over the place and there's certain points where you're like is this actually real is this happening or is he like imagining this i just love this film so much so like it's crazy it's crazy it's crazy i love like um i'm trying to think how the movie starts you know the movie starts with um uh, one of the opening things is that basically like the album and the movie right is about like a guy named pink pink floyd it's a little on the nose but whatever i don't care uh and he, he I, I remember the the beginning parts are great where he's like you have like the people who are trying to get into the show because he has like i think the idea is that like he is about to have a show or something because he's a big rock star or whatever like roger waters is and he's also thinking about world war ii and like british soldiers i think fighting i think it, it is world war ii right it yeah it is and I love that part of the movie where he's kind of like going back and forth between like the people like rushing into the venue or whatever it is. And then like uh, the, the soldiers marching and them getting like shot up. It's a bit, it's a very violent movie. Like the, the, the war scenes are very, uh, they're very gruesome. Uh, they did. They don't, uh, they don't hold anything back. I think. <laughs> no, the, the film starts with this like Dutch angle down a hallway that is really sort of it's definitely like a 70s 80s apartment building or like whatever it looks very not like anything you would find today and then you just hear the sound of like a lady vacuuming the hallway so I, I watched this this film you know like a week ago leading up to this it had been a while and I was like, I do not remember this. I like immediately thought it's it started with like the World War II stuff, but I was like, what is this? Yeah, with like the the women vacuuming. Yeah. It, it, then then it because then it it just immediately switches to something else, and then but then it comes back later. But then you're sitting there like, why? Why are we watching this lady vacuum the floor? But yeah, so then it's then it switches to um to a song that's actually not on the album yeah i think all like the stuff having to do with like all the like songs that are like weepy about like uh his dad about being in war and world war ii i think all of those songs aren't in the album there it's from the final cut and it's it's when the tigers broke free um which is an amazing song it's a great song also like very on the nose <laughs> very much about world war ii like sometimes i'm like oh is this the sound editing of the film or is this from the album and more often than not it's actually from the album it's not not the sound editing of the film like the sound of like planes coming in and all that stuff all on the album 100 percent. every every noise that comes from this film except for like nat sounds maybe they're usually all from from the album which is crazy it's probably worth saying too like there's like very little to basically no dialogue in the movie like not really i guess I, I would say like there's no active dialogue so there's no like i don't know written long conversations like sometimes people will kind of have like a little conversation but you can almost barely hear what they're saying like it doesn't really matter what they're saying yeah and then also those things are on the album right <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> yeah. like except for except for maybe the one where where the teacher is like <laughs> 
Ooh, he's going. He's writing. He's writing poetry. poetry. That is, but it comes back later. Um, and but the scene where he takes that girl into his apartment, which we'll talk about later. That's all. That's all on the album. It's just a different actress saying it. But so we see, we see, um, World War Two stuff happening, and it's not like really told what what he's like who this person is, but it's a man who is some sort of CO, like commanding officer or something in a underground shelter that just immediately gets bombed. Yeah, I guess. To the backdrop of When the Tigers Broke Free, which is... That's the first song, right? Yeah, it is. It's like one of the most symphonic of Pink Floyd's like songs. So it's very, very dramatic. And he dies. (laughs) <laughs> and he dies and he dies yeah 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 and you i think also like near the beginning too like uh i think you also get a glimpse of uh, a fascist pink right yeah yeah i think also like i said um in the scene earlier like you have like the cops beating up the kids and stuff and one of the great things about the movie that i really liked was how uh, parker like directs like chaotic moments in the movie when there's like big groups of people and there's like some crazy shit going on. So like the scene when like the cops are like getting all those teenagers and beating them up, it's very convincing. It almost seems like it's documentary footage. The same, same thing with the war footage too. It looks very real. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, that stuff is great. Cause like, it, it's hard to sort of track each scene of this film because like I said, it jumps all over the place. Yeah. You see pink like sitting in front of the television amazing shot you see his like mickey mouse watch like super close up and it like tracks up his arm it's so good mm-hmm. it's such a it's good great. shot and he's just like staring at the tv and then then the woman comes back who's like vacuuming she like is gonna try and get into his apartment because she's like a housekeeper or whatever but he's not answering the door and so, but she has keys, but very specifically, he's slid the chain over so that even if she opened the door, she couldn't get in. Then that's when all the war and the police stuff comes in. <laughs> and then we hear the song, the first song of the actual album, which is In the Flesh, question mark. Great song. Very good. Love In the Flesh. And then you see for the first time fascist pink, but only for like a, for, for the the vocals of that song yeah just for a second you get a glimpse in it, and of course you get the later scene yeah you're like it like leaves you like who the actual what's going on you're like hitler what yeah it's very it's very on the nose in terms of like the imagery and iconography like his like (laughs) oh for sure it's great sure it is and then it sort of well because the one thing about the album itself is that all of the music sort of blends into itself like doesn't blend in like all of it's very distinct but the album is supposed to be listened as like a whole thing because each song just moves into the next one. So like in the flesh immediately goes right into the thin ice. This is where the war, like the war footage when it's like the after effects of the war, like all of the soldiers are like injured and stuff. It's happening and then pinky's just in the pool absolutely tripping balls yeah yeah he's like he's like it looks like he's like in a pool of blood and stuff and yeah he's freaking out and yeah that's a that's the first freak out of a couple of different freak outs in the movie that are fun to watch but yeah i think after right after he has his freak out you basically get to the section of the movie where he's basically ruminating on his childhood 
and his father. Another brick in the wall, part one, specifically part one. I think is, yeah, the next track, the song that they play when they get into that. The scenes where he's like a little boy and stuff and he's like all upset and like, like when he's at the playground, that scene is extremely upsetting. Uh, <laughs> or when he's like going through his dad's shit and he like puts on his uniform, that's like very sad as well. All the stuff with him as a kid is very sad. I enjoy the stuff with the kid probably the most. I think kid actors are fascinating in the sense that there's something magical about a kid's performance because for a kid, it can be very hard to separate what's real from what's a performance. And I think you can often see that in how a child performs in different types of films. And with this, of course, it's a very surreal and depressing and haunting experience. And I think uh, the child actor here does an absolutely incredible job of being both exposed to the trauma of being fatherless, of course, at the park when he's, you know, going from dad to dad to try to, you know, find this fatherly figure or later in the film, because a lot of this film is really about fatherhood and motherhood and parents. And of course, this weird obsession with uh, the relationship between, of course, mother and son and father and son and his just trying to find his place in the world. And it, it can be quite disturbing and depressing at times, but there is this sense of, even though there are these really surreal scenes at the beginning, I think in a way it does kind of ease you into the much more disturbing scenes later in the film. Parts of the film where he's a child take that's like post-war stuff. So like, like pretty much directly after the war going into like the fifties and you see him like in the church, his mom's praying and he's got his dad's like medals pinned to his chest. And then he's just got a, he's just like, he's got a plane like going along the pews, which is quite literally the thing that killed his father. After we see the scene at the park, when the tigers broke free comes back and we see him alone in his, in the house um, and it's, he's grown up. So at this point, he's like quite a few years older, um, but he carries himself like he's a grown up. He's like, picks up the paper. He's like reading it. He like slathers jam on a piece of bread and is like carrying it around the house. Like, like he owns the place. And then he, uh, even the way he walks up the stairs seems very adult. Like he doesn't walk up the stairs like a kid. Um, which is very interesting and then he like goes into his mom's room she's not there and he one of her drawers is open and he sees all of the stuff from his dad like the like, like his bullets and stuff <laughs> yeah like all of the stuff that was sent to the family after he died like his number twos like his dress uniform and and his like the the note from king george that his dad had died which is literally in the lyric yeah where he's like i something about like a scroll i like teared up when i saw like king george's like signature or whatever and then the end of the line is like who took my daddy from me and then like yeah. the song like you know very on the nose but like you see you see a reflection of him in the mirror he puts on his dad's number twos his number twos and it's like massive on him because he's a child and then you see 
his dad's reflection as well the movie the this part of the movie is great um because it's like i it's also i think like post-world war ii britain is very interesting in that like you had just like a very large population of uh specifically i guess like men or fathers or whatever that suddenly like disappeared essentially so yeah i mean like obviously like you know single parents can like raise kids or whatever um but yeah it's definitely uh, a uh, traumatic it's definitely a very uh, traumatic experience for individuals and as well as the country and i think the movie and the album does a good job kind of like i don't know like talking about that or representing that in an interesting way yeah that stuff is uh, is a uh, very very strong and of course roger waters of course is very personally affected by that his father died world war ii he lived through that stuff so yeah that stuff is very uh, uh you can tell he's uh, ruminated a lot on that stuff and this whole time we haven't seen much animation, but right after this scene is when you get like the big, big animation part. Right. It, Goodbye, Blue Sky. Goodbye, Blue Sky, which is an amazing song. Great song. Beautiful song. It's about the Blitz, baby. I also think it's kind of, yeah, it's like about like, yeah, bombings, right? Probably about like nuclear warfare. That's that. Yeah, that's a good animation with like the crosses in the sky. It's crazy. It starts as the peace dove and then it immediately becomes a sort of black eagle, which is sort of the representation of like Nazi Germany. And my favorite part is when it, because it doesn't really look like bombing, like it doesn't, there's nothing like it drops out of like this eagle. The eagle like swoops down and when it grabs the earth, it like looks like it's ripping flesh like out of the earth, which is fucking insane that that shit's crazy that shit's awesome dude when he when that 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 part of the movie is great so gross and then it like then it transforms from being like very much like a natural looking bird to like rigid to make it look like it's a a bomber yeah there's a lot of like yeah i I also like those like figures where they're like they're like gas mask looking motherfuckers like they like live in like i think they're supposed to be like just like british people in terms of like during this time and like they're like kind of cowering creature creatures you know what i mean they're like helpless you know they're wearing the gas masks and stuff those things are fucking insane yeah those those are great designs the animation as a whole is just so haunting i mean i love the design of like those gas mask people or like the skeleton people that come on afterwards but even just like the whole transitions because it kind of flows as kind of just one image kind of melting into another image into another image and kind of how everything kind of mushes together is so dark and surreal and haunting i mean of course the obvious images of the cross turning into blood turning into you know this and that and everything kind of just fighting at each other and of course this whole idea of fighting for what you believe is the right cause or for freedom or for god or for whatever and at the end of the day everyone just ends up very dead yeah and i think like i think like what you have like the wreckage right of like the 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 nazi bird i guess you could call it and like a dove flies out of it you know it's like that's like kind of hopeful i would say like the album and the movie are not very hopeful especially the album and the album is especially very like uh dark because it's like a cyclical album right because it kind of like flows into each other which i find very um cynical uh, it's great but it's very dark and cynical because it's like yeah everything's just gonna happen again you know kind of thing the movie kind of ends on like kind of a nice note but it's still like very cynical so but occasionally you'll get a moment like that where the dove flies around and it's like oh okay you know 
I love that. I love that song. It's a really good song. It's a wonderful, wonderful guitar. Um, also, but like at the the beginning of that song in the album, it sounds like like a sunny day. Planes start coming in. You can like just faintly hear it, and then you hear a little child's voice say, "Look, mummy, there's an airplane up in the sky." And then it goes like straight into it because like this whole the song's like about the blitz, but you know that's not in the film, which is okay. But they had the they 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 said they put the big eagle uh fucking going nuts and ripping apart a dove. <laughs> they put that in there instead. But this is when you start to get that idea of the sort of relationship between uh Pink and his mom. Yeah, she's like a doting mother, right? She's kind of like a doting, kind of smothering mother almost. She's a doting mother, but at the same time, she's not giving as much attention, I guess. She's overbearing in all of like the bad ways. Yeah, you get like a taste of that. And I think like, I think right after this, you get into the school stuff before that, like he and his friends, like they have those bullets, right? That he got from his dad's thing. And then then they go to the train. Pinky, get off the line. British children are the best. (laughs) Yeah, they're just like, it's crazy. They're like, yeah, let's put the bullet on the train track and see what happens. Well, because people, people do like, like people will go down to train tracks and like put pennies on the line and like see see what happens. So I think it's like they're like, oh, let's do the same thing, but, but with live rounds. <laughs> yeah, they also didn't have Xbox back then, so yeah, so they just <laughs> they ran around. They didn't have PlayStation, so yeah, they they're just kind of like, what do we do with this? Like, I have this. We could do something with it. Oi, we could go. Oi, we could go to the train. Oi, mate. Oi, put live rounds down. <laughs> Like I said, it's kind of transitioning into the school stuff where the train goes by and it's filled with like children wearing the masks. Oh my god! Also, sort of looks a little bit like um, like uh, the trains that carried many many people to certain camps. Yeah, I wonder what connection he's trying to make with the trains. Oh, the, I'm not hmm. quite sure. I don't know. <laughs> you get like the best shot of the movie with that too when he's like um, leaving the tunnel and you have like the like it's very black and you have the. Yeah, it's like the best shot in the movie. Very, very iconic. It looks like almost very film noir at parts. And then I think you get the, all the school shit, which is pretty fun. I used to be so scared of that. You, you didn't like the school. You I mean, like it is stuff. unsettling still. You should still be scared. It's terrifying. But when I was younger, when I was watching it for the first time and, you know, actively going to school and being the age of like those children, it was horrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Am I, is somebody going to pick up my like book of poetry and read it out loud? <laughs> oh, no. That's kind of funny. It's like nowadays it's like, yeah, oh, you have your fucking switch out. You're playing switch. Like, stop. <laughs> now, but then, like, they're like, oh, you have a little, like, a book of poems, you know? A little black book with his poems in it. I, I can imagine that post World War II, uh, Britain education is probably Nightmare on Earth. Um, it's probably the worst time to be alive. Maybe uh, alive. Yeah. If you're like a kid, if you're like a, like a, like a, like an adolescent. In Britain, in post-World War II, and you're, like, going to public school, I'm assuming that not, maybe not for everyone. Oh, I, I don't think that was public school. I'm pretty sure It's supposed to be private school. school? Well, they all have, like, uniforms and stuff. But I also don't know the difference, like, with England, especially at that time, like... That's what I'm saying. It's, like, I think, like, I think school during this time was, like, awful. Like, horrible teachers, 
Cow- no matter no matter if it was public or private. Yeah, you know? cruel and unusual punishment, you know, just like horrible like schooling. It's probably a lot better in the United States and England today. Today it's probably a little bit more chill. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> you know, I don't think that, you know, we're, we're stuffing kids <laughs> into meat grinders. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I love that image. It's a great image. I don't think very many teachers are um, smacking children's hands with rulers anymore. Like that's what I'm saying. It's like it probably happened a lot back then. But yeah, nowadays, if you do that, you will get in trouble. You will get fired. That actor that plays the teacher, like <laughs> they, they picked the perfect guy. Yeah, it's funny because on the album, it's all Roger Waters. Like on the album, like it's all him. Oh, so even like when he's like like a baby crying, it's him or something. Oh well. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Wow, he did a really good impression of a baby. <laughs> no, but like when, when, yeah, yeah, he's like fantastic. He just keeps getting roles because he can do baby crying noises. <laughs> um, no, like when all of the extra voices that are in it, except for later down the line when there's like a a girl talking and the baby noises it's all him it's all him so he he like does all like the voices of like the teachers and then um yeah that's all him so that guy that they hire to do it he actually sounds very similar to what like he did on the album which is good that sort of like scottish kind of like annoying guy (laughs) the schoolmaster guy he's yeah like i uh like i like how like that character like they they dig into why he hates children it's because his, his wife, wife is, is shitty to him or something like i don't know yeah that's in the album too it's oh, like right, right i forgot yeah there were certain teachers who would hurt the children any way they could and then he goes but late at night their psychopathic wives would thrash them within inches of their lives it's in the album too, but apparently he takes his anger out on children because his wife is horrible and abusive to him, which, you know, I think would happen if somebody had an abusive partner. I think they would also not be very nice to other people. The lighting in that, that the lighting in that scene is really dramatic. It's just like a brief moment where they're in the house, but like it's very dramatic. Like I'm pretty sure the wife is like backlit and it's all like she looks scary. She's like, uh, you're gonna finish your food, like this whole thing. And yeah. there's nothing said, obviously, but it's no, all no. very yeah. He doesn't have any sort of like power when he's at his house, but like when he's at the school, he can have as much power as he wants because he's literally in charge of children. Yeah, he can embarrass a child. Yeah, it's like he's like spanking the kids and stuff can't do that anymore i don't i hope i hope in england they still don't do that i I like that mask that the kids all wear those are great those are good yeah they're very simple i I noticed that they're all kind of different though they're not like it's not like the masks were made like in a like in a factory or like 3d printed or some shit like that well you know you have to keep in mind that there weren't 3d printers back then no i know but but they weren't like mass produced they had they there's like a lot of masks so they're not mass produced so that it's clear that they were all probably handmade you know like each one of them so they all like kind of fucked up in their own ways it's good they kind of look like plastic like melt like wax like a waxy plastic like barbie they look so good yeah i I like those obviously like all the stuff with like school and stuff it being kind of like 
a, a regimented fascist kind of, you know, you're going to, you know, uh, you're going to be a good student and you're going to fall in line and you're going to walk in line and you're going to have no personality, but all very on the nose. But like I said, I'm sure that at this time when Roger Waters was in school, it was maybe this awful. And then you're going to get all smashed up into this unrecognizable meat conglomeration it's like a play-doh he's like play-doh or yeah it's like <laughs> but i love it too you know where you know it, another brick in the wall part two is playing during this right or part one part, part two. two yeah it's yeah. part two right of course the classic track the classic track another brick in the wall part two part two <laughs> <laughs> fucking love it when uh the kids like riot and they destroy everything that's another good moment where it's just it's so it's, good it's so, it's so that's so much fun to watch burning everything and then like the implication is that they throw their schoolmaster into the fire too <laughs> it doesn't like show it but like yeah. they're like dragging him to the fire yeah it's really good it's good other when they get the axes and they just like the kids are like breaking windows it's it's so violent it's so much fun to watch when the kids all start singing in that song in another brick in the wall part two, it's like unsettling. I think always the sound of like children singing together is unsettling. But yeah, it's I remember talking to like a teacher of mine one time and I was like playing that song and she was like, this song scares me so much. <laughs> it's a scary <laughs> song. It is. It's very effective in like the story of the album, you know, like it's a very like popular single. And I've always heard that single, of course. But the it, the album really is a good like concept album where, you know, Pink Floyd they're like known for like their very long winding proggy rock songs. Um, but in the wall they kind of don't do that. They kind of have like these kind of shorter tracks that kind of are really kind of like connect. Like you said, they're very connected to each other. So, but they're all but the songs. But each track is like really good. <laughs> like they're very well written and they uh, present uh, an idea uh, very well. I think. Um, and that, that goes a case for another brick in the wall part two. It's, it's, you know, it's, it says, you know, exactly what it needs to say, I think. Yeah. I don't really care how on the nose it seems sometimes. Yeah. Me neither. The visuals are just so good that I think it makes up for it. It's a music video. They, the music videos are kind of like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to jam in as much, uh, visual imagery as you can. <laughs> When you're doing something to like a two minute long song. That's a good part of the film though. That whole school sequence is so good. The, all, yeah, all the production stuff is great in that one. It's a school, yeah. Very, very great. Very lovely. And then we get Mother, right? The song Mother. It's right after that. I think it is. Because it's you have to transition from being in school to being with his like relationship with that woman. I think you're right. It, 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 it's weird though, because like, so yeah, the song mother is kind of about his, obviously his mom, but in the movie, it's kind of weird because what they do is they kind of intercut footage of like, I think like his mother and also his girlfriend. They, he starts to pretty much view them as similar, which is terrifying. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole film's very Freudian in that sense, especially its views on women are very much like not not very good yeah I would say. <laughs> not great not optimal yeah you have that like part where like his girlfriend shows up and like 
that part's very interesting where like his girlfriend shows up and he's like, Hey, let's like have sex. And he's like, no, I don't want to. And, but, and then it intercuts footage of like him as a kid, like looking like pe- like peeping on like a girl, like taking off her clothes. And then his like mom interrupts him. And then you have also the scene. And then it also has like footage of him, like stick as a boy. I'm guessing he's like about to die and he's being like waited on by like his mom. So yeah, you kind of have like all these like, all these like different like childhood events with like his mother and like his first kind of early sexual experiences and like the experiences that he has with like his girlfriend and they're kind of like mixed together during the song. The lyrics are like very much, he's like asking his mom all these questions, right? Like um, some of them are like kind of arbitrary, like should I run for president? Like, Should, you, should I trust the government? Yeah, should I trust the government? Do you think they'll like this song, like all this stuff? And then the sort of like chorus, even though it changes, um, I guess like the B section or whatever is his mom's reply, which like can kind of get lost because it's it's just, of course, Roger Waters still singing it. Uh, she says like, hush now, baby, don't you cry. Mama's gonna like check out all your girlfriends for you. Mama's gonna make sure nobody dirty gets through. And then it ends with mama's gonna help build the wall he tells you exactly what's gonna happen yeah (laughs) yeah the wall yeah you could like uh, the idea of the wall is kind of interesting because you can interpret it into many different things but i guess like in the case of like roger waters the wall is almost like each brick is like kind of represents like a traumatic or horrible event in his life or something that he can't like like I, i don't know like contend with and so it just creates this wall to the point where there's a a figurative wall between him and the people that he cares about and also like his fans and like the people that he works with you know that kind of like isolates him from just other people which that was kind of nice to learn about once again when I listened to the album watch the movie you know it's kind of interesting that um that that ended up being kind of like obviously the wall can be you know it's a figurative representation of how everyone's divided and of course you know the berlin wall you know is probably something that they thought of as well like i said i like that it's uh, very personal and that it's like your own wall the the version of the of mother and the movie is different because like it has like way more stripped back instrumentation um in the album it's like kind of like a guitar ballady band thing but in uh the movie it's like very stripped down it's like basically nothing in terms of the instrumentation it makes it more sad <laughs> Yeah, it's more sad. And you're like supposed to listen to to the lyrics. You're supposed to really hear it. Doesn't it like conclude with him finding out he like got cheated on? Yeah, it sort of goes from like you see him getting married to this woman and it's like a very 70s wedding, like 60s, 70s wedding, the outfits that they're wearing. And then you sort of see, and I think this is also tied into the song Empty Spaces, where you see like the animation of the flowers, which is very provocative. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, he sort of like, he uh, loses his connection to pretty much everything. Like you said, has a wall between him and everyone else. And she like, still loves him but when he doesn't you know reciprocate that she goes um and she doesn't like actively find it doesn't seem like she actively finds somebody to like you know he's just super isolated yeah 
Yeah. And she is like a part of peace rallies and like protests, things like that. It seems very much like it's Vietnam War era that this is happening kind of, or maybe Korean War. It's also kind of hard to judge how many years have gone by in this film because they don't tell us. Then she finds somebody else. She finds like one of the protest leaders and he's like, he pays attention to her and they like, it like, he listens to her and seems to care about her and shares her ideals. And so then she um, sleeps with him. Yeah. And those, that first kind of intercut with like him as a kid, also in a dance hall. Right. And he's like dances with like, um, I think his mother is there. And I think he dances with a girl there. Yeah. A lot of the like trauma that he experiences as an adult is directly reflected by stuff that he experienced as a child. Yeah, which, like you said, it bounces around a lot from him being a kid and an adult and all that stuff. Then uh, there's flower sex that happens. Yeah, you get this flower sex. <laughs> that stuff's great. I mean, it looks great. You know, it's 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 fine. You know, it's... And then I think also in Empty Spaces, he gets attacked by, like, a demonization of his wife. <laughs> I think so, yeah. It's, like, highly artistic. I'm trying to think if if if, if that is or not. Maybe. Or is that during Don't Leave Me Now? This animation is crazy. It warps and warps and it's great. Yeah, it like warps into different things. So you see like two very beautiful flowers and then like very provocative imagery yeah. happens of like very obviously the, these two flowers are supposed to represent two people having sex. And then like, and then one of the flowers sort of like, there's a lot of stuff that happens, but eventually one of <laughs> one of the flowers like, turns into it's supposed to look like sort of like a bastardization of his wife that then looks like a scorpion snake kind of thing so it's very obviously showing how his view of his own wife changes yeah. like a gross teeth oh god <laughs> yeah it's like to something that he thinks is literally like destroying him even though it really was his own doing but that's a good animation oh yeah the different uh sexual organs and of course again the view of how the female sexual organ kind of and this is again very freudian in the sense that it's this dark cavernous space which consumes and controls and destroys and of course how that morphs into the image of the scorpion and these kind of demon-like figures and even though it is very much uh pink i suppose who is overlaying his own childhood traumas on top of these people who are just being people it's very clear that he cannot connect with anyone in any real way and we'll talk about it later but i do kind of like how the album in the movie kind of concludes sort of because i think it kind of i'll talk about it later but yeah but then you get the part, I think, like, after this, too, you get the part with uh, the song. Um, what's the name of the song? Shannon, you probably know. There's Young Lust. Young Lust, The one yeah. where he's like, I'm just a new boy. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great song. I like that it's kind of like, it's supposed to be kind of like this, like, like macho song, you know? Like, it kind of almost feels like a parody, sort of, of, like, songs where it's like, yeah, I'm gonna have sex and I'm gonna party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like him engaging. He's so upset, you know, about his girlfriend, about everything that it's like basically just like a party montage of him partying. He's drinking. He's hanging out with a bunch of girls. I like that the manager is Bob Hoskins. Um, it's fun. It's great to see him in the movie. 
uh, it's kind of it's funny that he's british it's like him like partying uh with that song and uh yeah he's like he's going nuts yeah it's also chaotic again it's one of those chaotic scenes again where people are running around and and drugs and alcohol are happening even though he's like in those scenes he's still like removed from everybody because he's kind of like in his own caravan um until he see until he catches catches her eye it's like a a groupie she goes into his apartment and he immediately sits down from the tv and does a whole like like what i know he's so he's so he's just he's he watches a lot of tv in the movie watches a lot of tv in the movie a lot of sitting down watching tv could be said about something with the 1950s 60s generation and television but who knows if that's what he meant what's the line i've got like 13 channels of like shit on the television or something like that (laughs) that's a lot of channels back then yeah (laughs) now so many now options infinite you can watch any channel you want tv is so much better now i love i, lo- I love watching you can watch whatever you want tv is so much better now <laughs> tv is so much better now back then it sucked but now it's awesome back then it was just kind of like uh which blurry show should we watch now uh now we can watch stuff in 4k i love that scene though when she comes into his apartment it's my favorite thing because because it's the same it's the same stuff on the album right so like i talked about this earlier i was watching this in my favorite my favorite thing with my dad and I will do when we listen to this album is the song One of My Turns Will Come On, which is the song that happens after Young Lust. They walk in there and I love the girl's voice on the album more than the girl that's in the film because the girl in the film is very obviously like an actor that's like in the scene and, you know, you know, feeding off of the... uh little to no reaction that she's getting from from pink but the girl in the album she's so funny it's really funny and she keeps trying yeah she keeps trying to get his attention she's like licking like his like fingers and stuff and like all this shit and what what song is playing during this i'm trying to remember one of my turns because like in the in the album it's just all of her like talking and stuff and she's like what are you watching? And there's like, no answer. And then she's like, hello. And then she says, are you feeling okay? And then it goes into the like day after day. Yeah. You get one of the greatest, of course you get one right after that too. Once again, of course you get one of the greatest room destruction scenes, uh, probably, you know, that I've ever seen. It's up there. I think of him destroying the room. <laughs> it's so good. It's basically like, it symbolizes basically his turn pretty much. Like he's now, he's lost it. Yeah, he goes from like completely static to just immediately being an absolute whirlwind of like emotions, primarily anger. Yeah, just lo- losing it. That scene, that shot where he like um, cuts his hand on like the window. I think that was real, right? I think I read that was real. Oh, maybe I'm not sure. Like I, I read on Wikipedia that he actually cut his hand. Like he actually, like that wasn't like. Oh wow! He put that in there, like on purpose, or like he did it on just like an accident, and they just kept it in. No, just like on accident. Like he cut his hand. Like the actor. Yeah, it looks real. <laughs> yeah, it says during production while filming in the destruction of a hotel room, Gelda suffered a cut to his hand as he pulled away the Venetian blinds. 
Oh, it also says it was discovered while filming the pool scenes that Geldorf did not know how to swim. <gasps> that... <laughs> That's not great. <laughs> I also read on Wikipedia that like, you know how um, he like later on uh, shaves his eyebrows? Well, I, I believe that's in reference to um, Sid Barrett, of course, when they met him like in the 70s or 80s. Um, he had his eyebrows shaved and he had his whole head shaved. Um, and I think they wanted him, like the actor, to shave his head, but he wouldn't do it. Yeah, he just like, yeah, buzz cuts. Oh, and he, I don't think he buzz cuts it either. He just like slicks it back. Yeah, like he doesn't, like he didn't shave his hair. I don't know why he wouldn't shave his hair. It's not like his hair is really long, but for some reason he refused to do so. But he's fine going into a pool. But he shaved his eyebrows? So he was cool with shaving his eyebrows, but not his hair. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, and he's fine going into a pool that he can't swim in. Not swim in. <laughs> I, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> we all have standards. Actors are weird. <laughs> Actors are weird. Yeah, I, I think that this actor is interesting. I, I think he's like a musician, right? I, I looked him up and it looks like he's not really an actor. He's more like a... Um, I think he's like a like a like a like a musician in yeah. some bands, like British bands well, and stuff at the time. Musicians are even weirder than yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like too when he destroys the apartment and he's putting it back together. That's I love that shot. But he's not like he's not like putting it back together. He's not putting it back together. It's like a OCD. He he's like trying to put it back together, but it's not exactly right. He's like putting all of the like shards of broken glass and like all this kind of stuff in a very specific place. I don't know. He kind of looks like a kid again. You know, when kids sort of just like put shit, it looks like arbitrarily in different places, but like. Looks like a little city or a little diagram. Yeah. Like a little diorama. Yeah. He's very particular, like a, like a trauma Mm -hmm. need to have like Mm -hmm. some form of like control. Also, you kind of just perpetually think that this man is high on drugs. (laughs) Yeah. He's going going through like a bad trip. He's going through a bad trip just perpetually. So like it could be a whole number of things, but yeah, it becomes like obsessively um, hell bent on like putting all of these things in some form of order that doesn't really makes sense and then so he throws he throws the tv out the window during that scene but then in the next scene he has a brand new television yeah he's gotta have it he's gotta have his tv (laughs) TV. yeah and like we said you know he he's having a breakdown he shaves off his eyebrows like we talked about um he looks he looks funny that's also because of another like um sort of a compulsive thing he like he like keeps he like shaves his face even though he hardly had like any stubble on it and then he sort of like messes with his eyebrows and then he like sees like the hair on his chest and then he shaves that off why can't he just shave his head why didn't he do that like i don't understand like it's kind of weird but whatever and then he shaves his eyebrows so it's like another like compulsive like uh, obsessive compulsive thing that he does and of course that whole scene is very reminiscent of kind of these suicidal ideations because with the razor blade and the bleeding of his chest and the way he kind of like cradles i actually thought when i was watching it that he was going to attempt suicide attempt suicide at that point because he's like he cradles the uh the blades themselves and you kind of see blood like dripping into the sink yeah because he's like he has to like snap it in half so that he can shave his 
eyebrows yeah that must be done like you also get like uh like uh like shots of worms like kind of like the representation of i guess like a mental oh god they're like maggots maggots yeah Yeah, of like the representation of like a horrible kind of gnawing Mm -hmm. mental gnawing or whatever of like maggots and worms the next a lot of the next few songs sort of blend together because you kind of like a lot of it doesn't really have super distinctive imagery between each of like the songs because i think it's supposed to seem like all of this is just back to back yeah the whole like this this big long section of the movie is like yeah just kind of like his mental breakdown before he goes to the show pretty much uh you know and then of course you get to the part where like his uh crew comes through yeah you so so we see like a lot of imagery because then some animation and animation comes back and we see a lot of like more artistic shots more so than just like we see in the chair and then we see him as like a kid there's like parts where he's like rocking back and forth and then it morphs into him being a child like rocking back and forth and then there's like all this stuff okay so then we go back to like imagery of him looking for his father when all of the men are coming back from the war and bring the boys back home happens yeah that that one comes out of nowhere a little bit you know (laughs) but it's cool i'm okay with that (laughs) it sort of does because he like reverts back into like a sort of thinking about like war and his dad yeah and so bring the boys back home comes back and then he uh he it also kind of maybe seems like he overdosed on something he goes in like a catatonic state basically um and then comfortably numb happens, which is when when they break into the apartment. They break down the the beginning parts of the the wall, which is the chain that holds the door closed. They're like, "You got to get on the show. You got to get on the stage and be the, you know, sing a song." But he's like, he's like, he's like passed out. He's like half passed yeah. out. And there's like paramedics there. They like shoot him up with like I don't know some sort of like adrenaline shot or something to like. Oh no, I think they literally like well. I mean, I don't know, but like the context of the song makes it seem like they shoot him up with like heroin or something to get him going again. Yeah. Comfortably numb. That's probably. <laughs> it's so funny to see the manager and then like another person. Like Bob Hoskins. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And, and he, you can just kind of hear what he's saying. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, how the fuck did this happen? Like, holy shit, we have a show and like. 30 minutes all right just fucking get him dressed get him dressed gotta fucking go and then you hear you see him like smacking him he's like oh there he is there he is he's like grabbing his face and he's like oh come on we gotta go we gotta go and they're like dragging him down the hall yeah and he's like melting it's it's kind of a body horror it's kind of a body horror movie honestly there's a lot of like body Mm -hmm. horror in the movie in the animations and in the movie it's quite it's quite good I had completely forgotten about that until I watched it again. He turns into uh, the 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 uh, the uh, the uh, radio the uh, uh, what is it like the the guy in RoboCop who gets like uh, covered in sewage oh, waste and he turns yeah, into like a melty yeah, yeah. demon. <laughs> yeah, he looks like that guy. Yeah, he looks like he's like covered in maggots. <sighs> he's like in the he's in the limo and stuff too, and he's like yeah, he's like it's sort of almost like the fly or something where he's like morphing into something else because then he like pulls it off, you know? He rips it off. It's kind of like, um, I mean, I have never had, a, um, I've never tripped balls before. People, you know, when you're um, tripping on hard drugs, people are usually like, you know, you feel like that you feel like there's stuff all over your skin. You're like itching at your skin. 
I, that's kind of like what I what I thought because he like starts to like rip at it and like pull it away and then underneath is fascism. <laughs> yeah, he like he transforms. He he it's his it's it's his uh it's his it's his new form. His his stage persona or something. He he's kind of gone from having kind of like this mental breakdown to still having a mental breakdown, but now he's more focused and he's having a delusional. He, he's now completely delusional now, but he's more focused, I guess you could say, into fascist. When you go from having a mental breakdown to becoming a fascist. Yeah, it comes around to like, yeah. <laughs> just beware, beware of your mental breakdown, folks. You never know. I guess it's just that bad. Like it's it's that bad that he literally thinks he's someone else, you know? Yeah. I do this is when it gets kind of confusing because you don't know if what's happening is real or not. I mean, throughout the whole film, you don't really know what's real and what's not, but like this specifically is like. I don't know if this is real. Yeah, that stuff is, uh, yeah, when he shows, I like when he shows up and he's like kissing the babies. I like when he picks up the little boy and he's wearing a little tiny Nazi uniform. Yeah, tiny Nazi. But very specifically, they are supposed to look like Nazi uniforms, but there is no Nazi like symbols. It's the swastika never shows up. It's all their own stuff, but it's very obviously supposed to be nazis it's the hammers the hammers show up multiple times in the film yeah i was trying to figure out what the ha- hammers mean um I, i'm guessing it's just like they thought of like a cool like not cool but like something that looks very fascist and they're like yeah we got to use that for the fascist stuff so they they just felt like they have to recur the image over and over again in the beginning and throughout you know throughout the movie i'm guessing that's why like you see it a lot yeah i think so i mean also like hammers are sort of like the most um almost I would say aggressive sort of one of the most aggressive tools I would say you literally have to like aggressively slam it into something for it to do its job like the two the two jobs of a hammer is to put something in place or destroy it those are like the jobs of a hammer it's also probably in reference to the hammer and sickle of the soviet russia because there are some kind of soviet style uh things going on and of course the whole idea of right when you're a hammer everything looks like a nail so right destruction is the only option in this case and so his fascist weird communist shit going on is just his way of coping with the fact that he is under the belief that everything is a nail and you get like the in the flesh of course where he's like you know like ah that's a jew and that's like a black person you know it's like he's like pointing out to people and it's like it's like supposed to seem like it's like all these people and they're like yes pink is here and then he's like he's like hey guys i bet you're a little surprised to see me well pink isn't well he's back at the hotel and they send us along as a surrogate band to find out where you fans really stand and then there's like he goes are there any queers in the theater tonight put them up against the wall and he like says all this stuff and they actually grab people from the audience and take them somewhere and he's like if i had my way i'd have all of them shot yeah it like ends and wouldn't you like what what does he say like wouldn't you like to see like a britannia that's in another song but he's like wouldn't you like to see like britannia rule again or something like that and yeah that's in um waiting for the worms yeah yep waiting for the worms that's a great yeah it's very this is this is the fascist arc of the film 
the film can be split up in multiple sections. One, childhood yeah. and school. Like sex and relationships, and mom. Sex and relationships and yeah, fascism. Pretty much. Yeah. It all kind of like it culminates to this point. So it will almost culminate to this point. It's like it almost is, you know, and you get like the the animation, of course, of the hammers marching, and then they're also marching in the streets. <laughs> Yeah, my favorite part of this is when he's like up on the 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 grandstand thing. He's got the um oh a, a megaphone, a megaphone. He's like holding it up, and you can't you can't understand anything he's saying. Which is also how it is in the album. All this marching and people like closing their their like doors or windows or like very scared. It almost sounds like the um they're beating up people. Yeah, it kind of seems like the uh. Crystal knocked, you know what I'm talking about? I actually don't. Crystal knocked is like the German term, is a German word for it. And it was like happened in World War II. It happened in 1938 when like Nazi leaders went through the German neighborhood and ruined it, basically. Yeah, they made their they 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 went through it. I see what you mean. Yeah, it's similar. And like broke broke windows and like the reason it's called like custom locks because they like threw things into shops and like stuff like that seems kind of reminiscent of like that sort of thing where forces are marching through town and people are like terrified of something like that happening yeah yeah all that stuff all the stuff with the fascist dictator shit <laughs> it's very uh i don't know i think it just like in connection with the album it looks as good as it should i don't know it looks i i yeah like i don't know it, it just looks perfect yeah and like you said the um in the song waiting for the worms because it seems it's like kind of like a propaganda warning song where he's like all that kind of stuff he says um this is stated terminology i'm quoting the song so please wouldn't you like to send our colored cousins home again? And then he says, wouldn't you like to see Britannia rule again? So it's like that exact sort of fascist idea, nationalist idea of the fatherland or like the motherland, that sort of thing. And Yeah, it's very MAGA a little bit. Don't get political. Maybe. <laughs> We've seen things recently that seem a bit like this song. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. The wall. Hmm. What could it mean? Well. Uh. <laughs> maybe we should show some people this. this <laughs> yeah, that would definitely change your minds. Yo, we all need to get. We all. We all just need to come together, watch Pink Floyd's The Wall, and then like everything will be solved. Yeah. <laughs> like it'll be just. It'll be solved right away. This is close to the end of the film. Yeah, he does a uh, stop, right? Like, uh, I think stop comes on. Stop. I love this song. This song's like 40 seconds long, but it's one of my favorite songs. And unfortunately, in the film, it's not as good. But in the album, everything, it's like waiting for the worms, like builds up and builds up and builds up. And then it, you just hear him like scream, stop. And then everything stops. And then you hear like, a little bit of like piano or something he's like i want to go home yeah <laughs> yeah no he well yeah literally it's like he is saying like uh I, this has to stop 
like I have to reevaluate myself and what I'm doing and what I'm thinking about. And I need to understand like what the hell is going on. And it all happens very quickly where you basically get like the final big part of the movie, which is the trial animation. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's like, it's like in the bathroom. Well, he said like one of the lines in, in stop is I want to go home, take off this uniform and leave the show. And then it, you find, you follow a security guard or something into a bathroom and then you hear because the reason I like the album better is because I mean it's more musical in this song like in stop but stop in the film is translated to pink like curled up against like a toilet like writing something and he's like murmuring the words to himself you kind of lose it if you don't know like the song and then the security officer like is hearing like hears him and he's like what the fuck and yeah. he like walks over but you don't see an interaction between the security guard and pink you just see the door start to open which is the beginning of the trial because the trial song literally starts with like a noise i think that's the last time you see him too that's the last time you see him like in the movie like his, his the, the actor in the movie that's the last time you see him and then like you said trial animation time it's it's his trial in that he's putting himself on he he's almost imagining like a fictitious trial in which everybody that he knows is kind of uh grilling him or putting him on the stand uh, to figure out what crimes he's committed when i guess in actuality if you're thinking about the, i guess the reality or whatever he's like trying to evaluate himself kind of i guess in this instance um yeah definitely the most ambitious animation in the movie probably it goes on that song's like the one of the longest songs in in the album and the animations the whole song it's not my favorite song on the album it's a little too i <laughs> hate you i i think it's a it's a little too broadway for broadway. me it's a little too like, <laughs> oh, like okay, well, oh come on like I, I don't think it's a bad oh, hello my yeah. baby hello my <laughs> ring ding ding with the trolley yeah it's like <laughs> yeah it, it's it's i don't know there's something about it that's a little too theatrical for me but it's still like good no folks you got trouble <laughs> right here in river city <laughs> i don't i don't know like it's just kind of like it's very charactery it's very charactery it's literally literally all the characters um, no, I, I I understand. I understand what you and all of the voices because like even in the in the album because I think this is directly from the album like they didn't re-record it or anything. My I love this scene because I think it's also a nostalgic a nostalgic thing too because listening to the album and my dad and I would listen to it this song would come up and we would just be like good morning when you're on it like like the whole thing it's just like. <laughs> was just acting it up but yeah i i really love the scene i think the animation's incredible i can see how the song maybe not it's it's definitely has a different vibe than the rest of of the album yeah i was about i was about to say it's just yeah like you said just like you said just now it's just a different vibe it's a different type of song and it's fine and the and the scene in the movie is amazing with how like just how everybody looks and i like how he's like also like a basically like a doll he's like a rag doll he's completely like he has he can't yeah he doesn't do anything he can't get up or move around or or i think like what the song starts with like 
he's like guilty for feeling or something like that yeah i love this song is so good oh he kind of seems like some sort of court jester guy that comes up and he goes good morning worm your honor um and of course it's like oh we're we're at some sort of court thing but he's on a stage so it's very presentational and then he's like the crowd will plainly show the prisoner who stands before you was caught red-handed showing feelings and in like the thing he's like showing feelings like it's very much like (laughs) disgusting um showing feelings of an almost human nature and then um and then they go uh call in the schoolmaster and then the schoolmaster comes in but he looks kind of like a hammer his head looks like a hammer and he's he's like yeah all of the animations are like a like a demonization of the people in his lives so the the schoolmaster sort of looks like a puppet on strings that sort of looks like a hammer and then we always get these like interludes where it's pink singing and he's like yeah that stuff is just so like (laughs) i don't know it's good it's really good and then we see then we see the the we see the wife come in and she's like a snake like even the way she sings she's like you little shit but she's very like accusatory and then um and then in the middle of hers then you hear and then the mom comes in <laughs> like a plane to shield her baby the mom's the only one who comes in to like help yeah yeah quote unquote help yep mm-hmm. but she's like i never wanted him to get in any trouble yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's sort of like the culmination of all these like past traumas and current traumas that are kind of like exploding um to the point where i think the the judge or whatever is like we got to tear down the wall, bring down the wall. What do they say? What's the actual lyric? The judge. Oh my God. First of all, the best part of that song is after the mom is finished. And then you just hear this sick guitar, like, and then it's like the judge's voice is like so low and like, boom, it has all this gravitas to it. And he like says, um, Sorry, I'm like singing through in my mind. He's like, there's no need for the jury to retire. Um, in all my years of judging, I've never seen before a person, whatever, so deserving of full pen- penalty of the law. Yeah. And then he goes like, you made us suffer. Your exquisite wife and mother gives me the urge to defecate. And then in <laughs> the album, not in the film, but in the album, somebody goes, how I judge shit on him. <laughs> I don't remember that part. I don't remember that part of the album where he says, yo, shit on him. <laughs> this is what happens when you've listened to this album. I know. I, I'm going to be listening to it more because like I said, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's fun. And then he goes, um, uh, just fills me the urge to defecate. Um, Since my friend, you have revealed your deepest fear. I sentence you to be exposed before your peers tear down the wall. And the imagery of the judge, did you guys notice what the judge looked like? I know what I think he looks like. Say it. What do you think he looks like? No, no, you go first, Andrew. Yeah, he looks like a fucking, yeah, like pussy, yeah. He's very specifically looks. Yeah, 
a little once again a little on the nose you know it's a little uh... <laughs> yeah he looks like he looks like female genitalia yeah um he has it's, massive it's a... legs <laughs> i know it looks so weird it, it's like a head on like a two legs the designs are amazing i think it's like because at first you're like wow he looks kind of weird but then when you look at it you're like oh yeah it sort of speaks to like his twisted idea of women because the one sentencing him to be like exposed before his peers is womanhood is a is a woman is what he thinks of women it's a women's fault it's a woman's fault that it's a woman's fault well okay so here's my thing so so as a mo- so the movie concludes basically with like he brings down the wall he destroys it and you hear the pink screaming and the wall is brought down i do think that the album the movie kind of but i think the album especially does kind of have like this weird sense of like i don't know of like this idea of like self-responsibility kind of like taking responsibility for your own actions kind of obviously like everybody is like a collection of like different memories and traumas and experiences that have led him to this point but like I do think that the that the movie that well especially the album like I said is especially trying to make a case for the fact that like look you know like I know that I feel that like Roger Waters almost trying to say like I know that I feel this way and I know that like obviously like there are people that like did me wrong in the past whether it be like a girlfriend my mother uh you know uh, a school teacher but at the end of the day like the only person that can like destroy that wall is myself so I think like there is kind of like the semblance of like it doesn't really matter what people did or how I feel about them. I I, I have to like, kind of like take action myself in order to, I don't know, find some kind of inner peace or whatever the fuck you might call it. I don't know, which is, I was not expecting that conclusion. It's an interesting conclusion. And you get that last scene too, with like the kids are like cleaning up something. I, I'm, I'm the wall. Uh, there it seems it seems like the children are the ones who are forced to clean up after the destructive tendencies of their parents yeah yeah i i, I was wondering what was going on there i'm like what what are they cleaning up like what, what are the kids like what are they doing it looks like they're cleaning up the aftermath of a war it's the sick that's right it's kind of like the cyclical nature of the album kind of like how the movie is man and you figured it out shit <laughs> damn oh shit <laughs> I figured, I, there we go. It, it kind of connected a little bit more with me. Gotcha, yeah. That's the movie. That's the movie. It's Pink Floyd The Wall. So a couple of weeks ago, Andrew and I talked about our general disdain for British cinema. We, there's not a lot of British cinema that we uh, we, we get into. <laughs> we had a long conversation. Of, we had a long conversation about it. <laughs> I was mostly exaggerating. <laughs> oh, now you're making excuses. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Maybe a little bit, but uh, you know, it's fun to make fun of British people. <laughs> it really is. I mean, you know, they've kind of shown the world enough that they kind of deserve it. But look, although our largest audience is British, so oh I'm, I'm shit, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, look, uh, <laughs> I take back it all. Got, got uh, Queen's really awesome. Love her. Hope she's okay. Yeah. God save, God save the queen. God save the queen. Moving on. The point I was trying to make is this is a very good film. The animation's incredible. It's disturbing as hell. It's visually stunning. It's so 
dark, like both visually and of course in the ideology, of course, Pink Floyd's The Wall is just incredible and just just a bop to listen to. I think for me, my only real criticism is that I found this film so disturbing that I literally, I mean, I watched this film yesterday and I had nightmares last night about this film. What? Oh no, he had a little. <laughs> he had a... <laughs> and look, when I sit down, when I sit down to watch a movie, you need a warm glass of milk and then to. I need, I need a warm glass of milk and a couple of cookies. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's literally my only criticism is I, it's too disturbing for me, which like, it's just a, it did its job too well. <laughs> it did its job too well. It's it's too much for me. It's just too much. I, I like to, you know, watch something. And I mean, not necessarily happy. We've done a lot of shows that aren't. We watched Possession on the show. We did watch Possession. And we get, get very high reviews because it's a very good film. And this is a very good film, too. So all of this criticism is not from, like, a filmmaker's perspective. Because I think as a film, it's like 8, 9 out of 10 my personal experience and part of it of course is because it's such a surreal uh process and it's kind of hard to connect everything and you're kind of just consuming it in this virginia wolf james joycean kind of way i think for me the experience i got out of it was just disturbed mostly so <laughs> i'm gonna give this film a six out of ten i mean i love it it's incredible in so many ways but it was it's, it's too disturbing for me being disturbed dropped it three whole points <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, I, okay 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 I'll, I'll okay all right all right i'll go i'll go next i'll just say that i really enjoyed the movie i like the music i like the album you know i'll definitely be listening to the album i definitely want to watch the movie again um like we talked about big long music video love it yeah i think like it, the movie kind of like lulls for me a, a couple times in the middle to where it's kind of maybe a little bit confusing it's a little all over the place um so i think it, it, it necessitates another rewatch so i'm gonna give it like a really really high seven out of ten bordering on an eight um great movie fantastic looks great animations are great as we all talked about and i think it's just once again like the best visual representation for the most part of what the music in the wall and the story of the wall is um that you can make at the time um it just sucks that like you can't watch it anywhere like they this would be a great like criterion collection release they need to upload this like they need to make like a criterion collection of this on blu-ray because i would definitely own it I, I would definitely buy it and own it so i could watch it again and again um, because yeah, you can't really buy it really almost in any capacity for the most part. So yeah, it, it's 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 very good. I, I I liked it a lot. Uh so I've made it clear that I like this film. I mean, I did also choose it, but um uh this film has like a lot of nostalgia for me, which like maybe is a weird film to to have a lot of nostalgia about, but it's interesting, yeah. It's cool though. Not only, like, I, I will say without a doubt that Pink Floyd is my favorite band. I am about, Pink Floyd is to me what the Talking Heads is to Andrew. Yeah, I, I like I like, I like them. Um, so that, this film, just in that reason, like, means a lot to me and I really like it um, from, like, a music standpoint. I think the, the visuals are gorgeous. 
I think a lot of the shots in this film are absolutely maybe not gorgeous I would say that certainly doesn't feel like Spielberg like that sort of like refined beauty um but like really gritty shots that just are really good looking and the animation like you said it's fantastic I don't see a lot of animation like that especially not now where it's like now it's like a lot of 3d animation um and just imagining the hours the countless hours that went into animating that um because it's 2d like drawn frame by frame animation and it's so smooth it's crazy um i do agree with with you andrew that it's um confusing i mean have seen it countless times i have listened to the wall in its entirety countless times i literally two years ago i was in like the 0.1 percent of pink floyd fans on spotify <laughs> let's go like to me it's much easier for me to follow because i know what's coming next i know what song's next and i know what the song is about so like for me it's much easier but I also did say at the beginning of this podcast that it does not follow any sort of chronological order and it jumps around a lot, which I think also is, is an important part of the film because it also like makes you feel sort of like how Pink probably feels where everything's just kind of fucked up and you don't really know what to think about at each given moment. That being said, I do think it, at Austin, I do think it is disturbing. But I also, um, I think at this point, am jaded to it because I've seen it so many times. I, I don't know. I just be taking in account all of those things. I think I have, I have to give it a nine out of 10. I have to give it a nine out of 10. I can't give it a 10 out of 10 because I feel like, yeah, it, especially if it's your first time watching it. And if you are not a, like, if you're not somebody who knows the wall, it's, uh, it's hard to approach. It's kind of like the Talking Heads movies. If you don't like or care about the music of Pink Floyd, you probably aren't going to like the movie, you know, because <laughs> that's all it is. It's just like Pink Floyd songs. But I like it. So, I mean, it, it works out. But just like with the Talking Heads movies, if you don't really care like the Talking Heads music, you're probably not going to care all that much about it. But I love it. I think it's a great film. It's etched in your brain. Maybe to listeners, it seemed like I was reading off of like lyrics. I wasn't. No. I thought you were for a second, but you were not. No. Thank you for listening. To find more exclusive content, go to patreon.com slash life through fiction. That's patreon.com slash life through fiction. And you can find everything I do at Austin Lugo one, two. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at 80 harp 24. I'm also on letterboxd, uh, retro Andrew or ATR zero Andrew. So thank you all for listening. You can find this podcast wherever you hear podcasts. Thank you to Shannon now guest and editor. You're welcome um, in advance. And until next week, guys. Bye.